I am delighted to inform you that COVID-19 is over. It's done. We are done with this. The COVID-19 virus, actually, let's be real, this was never really about the COVID-19 virus. This was about government officials using COVID to enact their own political agenda. Well, it's over. It is over, and let me tell you why. This video will show you everything that you need to know. And for those of you who are listening and not watching, I'm just gonna tell you exactly what's happening in this video. This is a video of former President Barack Obama's birthday bash from this past weekend. Hundreds and hundreds of people congregating all in the same space, dancing, having a great time, maskless, in the middle of what the Biden administration tells us is a crisis. Take a look. By the way, it's very interesting. So the people who attended Obama's birthday bash were then told after they started posting pictures and videos on the internet, they were told, I guess, by Obama's team to wipe these off the internet. Now, I don't know if uh, why that was. I can't imagine it was for any security reasons. I think it's just because the Obamas don't want the PR hassle of contradicting, essentially, um, the Biden administration's dictates and mandates and bossiness on COVID-19. Here's the thing, though. This may surprise you. My opinion on this is I actually have zero problem with what the Obamas did. They're celebrating his birthday. Okay, go ahead. Have fun. They're having a party. Okay, go ahead. Invite your friends. Invite your family. Cool. Zero problem with this. I have no problem with people getting together in large crowds. This is your choice. And here's what I mean. We know at this point what the risk of COVID-19 is. We know what the risk of this virus is. We know what behaviors make you more likely to be a fatal case. We know what risk factors are. We know who is at risk. If you're going to get together, you're also aware of these risks, and that is entirely up to you. I do not care what you do. You are free, keyword free, to do what you want. I also There's, there's also a rumor that there were some unvaccinated people here. I think it was Candace Owens actually on Twitter who said she had confirmation that at least two people were not vaccinated who were in attendance at this party. Um, the speculation then was that a vaccine was not a prerequisite to entry. I have no insider knowledge on that or not. But again, even if they were unvaccinated people going maskless in a large crowd, I have zero problem with this. Live your life. Do your thing. Have your party. Have your fun. That's totally fine with me. I do not care whatsoever. So the celebrities that were in attendance, and the reason I mention this, you'll, you'll see why in just a second. The celebrities in attendance at this party, Chrissy Teigen, her husband, John Legend, Jay-Z, Beyonce, Steven Spielberg, Bradley Cooper, Don Cheadle, Stephen Colbert, um, Bruce Springsteen was there, and so, were Tom, so was Tom Hanks and Rita Hanks, his wife. It's interesting because, and this is the funny part, I think, all, almost all of these, I believe all of the celebrities I named have spoken out against climate change in the past, and yet the entire area of Martha's Vineyard where this party was held was apparently a traffic jam because of all the enormous black SUVs that were everywhere bringing these celebrities into Obama's birthday party. So, you know, these celebrities don't exactly practice what they preach. In fact, that's bad, but not as bad as this. John Kerry was in attendance at this event. He is, remember, Remember, he works for the Biden administration now. He's, he wasn't just the Secretary of State under Obama. He now works for the Biden administration. He is the U.S. Special Presidential Envoy for Climate. And he came to the party, I kid you not, on a private jet. There's a photograph of it because, of course, there's a photograph of it. These people are not just hypocrites about COVID-19, right? They're not just hypocrites about COVID-19. They're hypocrites about just about everything. They believe that you and I should live by a certain set of rules, and those rules don't apply to them, the rich and famous and elite. 
So like I said, I don't have a problem in and of itself with Obama throwing this party. What I do have a problem with is public health officials condemning um, conservatives getting together, condemning regular, ordinary Americans living their lives and running their businesses, but not condemning, not condemning any event that has to do with the left. So we have Lollapalooza in Chicago, a big event. The left did not condemn it. We had the wedding in Washington, D.C. that mayor of Washington, D.C., Bowser, Mayor Bowser, attended without a mask. The left said nothing about it. We had the Black Lives Matter rally, not rallies, riots, across the United States last year. Not a word was said about that. The Obama birthday party, not much was said about that. But then we have, in North Dakota, the Sturgis motorcycle rally. Well, is that full of liberals? Was John Kerry in attendance? No, no. This is a conservative, middle America event. And this event, this event, drew the condemnation of Dr. Fauci. Take a listen. Well, I'm very concerned, Chuck, that we're going to see another surge related to that rally. I mean, to me, it, it's, it's, it's understandable that people want to do the kinds of things they want to do. They want their freedom to do that. But there comes a time when you're dealing with a public health crisis that could involve you, your family, and everyone else, that something supersedes that need to do exactly what you want to do. I mean, you're going to ultimately be able to do that in the future, but let's get this pandemic under control before we start acting like nothing is going on. I mean, something bad is going on. I mean, we've got to realize that. Those words that he spoke are the words of a tyrant. They want their freedom, but something supersedes that need to do exactly what you want to do. Fauci literally believes that he has the right to control what you do, that your freedom is less important than what he wants you to do the COVID restrictions he wants government to impose on you. So where's Dr. Fauci's comments on Obama's birthday party, on Lollapalooza, on the wedding in Washington, D.C., Black Lives Matter riots? Silence on that, yet Sturgis, Fauci says your freedom is less important than his political ideology. By the way, again with hypocrisy, Martha's Vineyard, where Obama's birthday party was held, is actually considered by the left, the public health official crew, to be a high transmission area. And yet, on CNN, when they were discussing this, uh, this just blows my mind, but it's also an accidental admission of the truth from the left of what they think of conservatives versus what they think of their own, their own snobby elitist crowd. Listen to what CNN called those who attended Obama's birthday bash. Take a listen. Uh, other people said, you know, this is really being overblown. They're following all the safety precautions. People are going to sporting events that are bigger than this. This is going to be safe. This is a sophisticated vaccinated crowd. And, and this is just about optics. It's not about safety. All right, Annie Carney, thanks so much. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, good talking to you. So this virus is so very woke that it can discern whether a crowd is a sophisticated crowd. And if it's a sophisticated crowd, the virus stays away. But if it's what? An unsophisticated unsophisticated crowd, maybe one that rides motorcycles, maybe one that voted for Donald Trump, then it becomes a super spreader event. This is what CNN believes. This is what public health officials believe. 
You were not allowed to be with your mother in the hospital when she died. But if you're a sophisticated, vaccinated crowd wanting to celebrate Obama's birthday, then it's just politics to criticize it. I'm Liz Wheeler. Welcome to The Liz Wheeler Show. What we're going to talk about next is one of the most outrageous things happening in our country right now. I cannot believe that there are so few of us that are willing to talk about it. Before we get to it, though, I want to talk to you just for a moment about trust and will. We all know that we need one, right? But most of us put off creating a trust or a will because it sounds complex, sounds expensive. Well, now it doesn't have to be. At trustandwill.com, setting up an estate plan is simple. It's convenient. It's secure. For as little as $39, you can nominate guardians for your children. You can determine who gets your stuff and plan for future medical care, all from the comfort of your home. Hiring a traditional estate attorney can cost thousands, and using a one-size-fits-all template is not nearly specialized enough. Trust and Will documents are designed by estate planning experts and customized for the state that you live in. And with live customer support seven days a week, trustandwill.com's team is available to answer any and all questions that I know I have uh, while setting up my plan. Trust and Will is the most trusted name in online estate planning, the category leader on Trustpilot, and they've helped hundreds of thousands of people protect their families, their assets, and their legacy. So gain peace of mind at trustandwill.com slash Liz and get 10% off plus free shipping of your customized legal documents. You have to use that promo code slash Liz, trustandwill.com slash Liz to get that free shipping, that 10% off, trustandwill.com slash Liz. Okay, I don't often agree with very radical feminists because radical feminists typically are man-haters and they typically are pro-abortion. But in this case, I agree 100% with the Women's Liberation Front. The Women's Liberation Front is a very, very radical leftist feminist organization Um, And they recently issued a report about a female inmate who was incarcerated in the state of California in the prison system out there who became pregnant. Now, this female inmate became pregnant after she was forced to share a cell with a biological male inmate who identifies as female. That's right. So a transgender inmate, a man who was in the male prison system requested, or said, changed his identity, suddenly he became a woman, was transferred to the female prison, was the cellmate of this woman, and this woman inmate is now pregnant as a result of this. And by the way, in prison, just in case, just for everyone's information, there's no such thing as consensual sex in prison. Every sexual activity is considered non-consensual in prison. So this is what the Women's Liberation Front actually reported about the incident. They said, we've now heard from seven different people inside the prison that at least one woman, possibly more, is now pregnant after being housed with a male felon who was transferred to the women's prison under SB 132. So SB 132 is the law that passed in California last year that allows men who identify as women to be housed in a prison in accordance with their so-called gender identity. 300 males, or by the way, this law went into effect just this past January. 300 males since then in the California prison system have requested transfer and 20 males have been processed thus far. That means 20 males are now on the loose in women's prisons. 20 males who, uh, clearly some of which, have male anatomy, working anatomy, um, and just say they identify as women. So this is a key thing too. This is, 
identity only. So this law does not require surgery. It does not require a diagnosis of gender dysphoria. It is based solely on the inmate saying, hey, now I'm a woman. I want to go live with the women. That's literally all it takes. And these men will be transferred to female prisons. The state of California and the California state legislature who passed this bill, they might be idiots, but they're not stupid. They know the consequences of this behavior. And you know how I know that they know the consequences even though they're such morons? Because the California prison system has been handing out condoms and plan B contraceptives to female inmates in these prisons. What does that tell you? It tells you that these women know they expect to be raped. The prisons expect them to be raped. Remember, it doesn't matter the situation. All sex in prison is considered under the law to be non-consensual. But this is the reality of what happens when the left tries to destroy objective reality. People get hurt. This is not a language game. This is not a rhetorical trick. This is not respecting how someone, their lived experience and how they're feeling. There are women in prison who have no recourse for themselves. They have no right to get a firearm. They can't move away. They can't even run away. They are in prison in a cell, locked up with men who could have been convicted of domestic violence. These men could have been convicted of rape for all we know. They have no way to, be, to escape and are going to be subject to the most heinous crime I can think of. There's one inmate, by the way, at this prison. Her name is Amber Jackson, and she was talking about this to the Santa Monica Observer, and this is what she said. She's like, call yourself a woman all you want, but when you have a man with a penis that works as if it was designed to do, that is a problem in a women's prison group shower room. That's a problem. She's right. It's more than a problem. This is a violation of these women. I, it's a violation of these women's fundamental rights. Again, these women have no recourse. They are at the mercy of the state who's endangering them and their rights and their bodies are being violated. I would sue the state of California over this if I were these women in these women's prisons. And I will use my voice to speak out on their behalf because this is absolutely egregious. The story actually does not end there, but for a moment, I want to talk about ExpressVPN. So we all know how a VPN protects your privacy and your security when you're online, right? But I did not know this until recently. You can use a VPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. You just fire up the ExpressVPN app, you change your location to the UK, for example, you refresh Netflix or any other streaming platform that you use, and that's literally all there is to it. See, ExpressVPN hides your IP address and lets you control where you want websites to think you're located. So you can choose then from almost 100 different countries. There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but ExpressVPN, in my opinion, is the best because it is ridiculously fast, and nobody wants an internet service that's slow. There's never any buffering or lag with ExpressVPN, and you can stream in HD and no problem. ExpressVPN is also compatible with all your devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more, so you can watch what you want on the go or on the big screen wherever you are. If you visit my special link right now, expressvpn.com slash Liz, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. So support the show, watch what you want, and protect yourself and your family online at expressvpn.com slash Liz. So speaking of this idea of the left trying to erase objective reality, meaning telling men, biological men, that they can be women or they can be housed in women's prisons 
if they just claim that they identify as a woman. Conservative commentator Ali Stuckey was banned from Twitter over the weekend for 12 hours. She was put in Twitter jail, as we call it, or sent to timeout uh, because she tweeted, very innocuously in my opinion, that men cannot be women. This is what she tweeted. She tweeted Laura Hubbard. Now, she's talking, by the way, she's talking, by the way, about Laurel Hubbard, um, who is the Olympic weightlifter from New Zealand, who's a biological man who used to compete in men's weightlifting competitions, didn't win any of those, transitioned to a woman, and made the Olympic team for New Zealand. So Ali Saki tweeted, Laura Hubbard failing at the event doesn't make his inclusion fair. He's still a man, and men should not compete against women in weightlifting. End quote. Obviously, she's correct. There's actually nothing controversial at all about what she said. And she didn't even tag Laurel, Laurel Hubbard, um, which she could have if she wanted to. Allie could have if she wanted to, but she didn't. So, I mean, like I said, just objective reality. She's just speaking the truth. It's very unfair. Laurel Hubbard didn't take a medal from another woman because of his inclusion in this, um, in this Olympic competition, but he did take a spot on the team away from a biological woman who... Uh, without this man and without the woke left's uh, forced tolerance of the transgender ideology could have made the Olympic team. So yes, fundamentally unfair. Twitter, however, said that this was hateful conduct. They suspended Allie from Twitter for 12 hours, and this is the reason they gave her. They sent her an email that said, we've determined that this account violated the Twitter rules, specifically for violating our rules against hateful conduct. You may not promote violence against threaten or harass other people on the basis of race, ethnicity, national origin, sexual orientation, gender, gender identity, religious affiliation, age, disability, or serious disease, end quote. Hateful conduct. Let's talk about those two words for a second. Hateful conduct. So now it is hateful conduct to simply say that it is unfair for a biological man to compete against biological woman. Women, it is hateful conduct to say biological man by nature of his DNA his body, his genitalia, his physiology is different than a woman. That's hateful. Twitter. I See, I don't even believe that Jack Dorsey believes this. I don't. I actually don't. I think Jack Dorsey is a hippie. I think he's ridiculous. I think he needs to get a tighter grip on his platform because I think, I think behind the scenes, he has woke leftists whispering in his ear, telling him, that he's going to lose privileges. He's going to lose being part of the it crowd. He's not going to be popular if he doesn't enforce these woke dictates. I don't believe that Jack Dorsey actually believes that men can be women. But this is what he, this is what he lets happen on his platform. This is what he lets happen on his platform. Now it's hateful conduct. I would actually argue that under Twitter's own hateful conduct standard, that Ali Stuckey was victimized here because it's part of her religious beliefs, meaning her religious affiliation, that she was stifled. She was told that she couldn't speak about her religious beliefs. So isn't that discrimination under Twitter's own ban on harassment of people based on their religious beliefs? Would love to hear an answer from Jack about that. But the thing is, the larger picture here is this is what happens when you reject objective truth. This is why you and I, we have to fight these culture wars. We have to stand up for the truth, even if there are repercussions. The left knows what they're doing. They know they're rejecting objective truth because you know that you're rejecting objective truth if you have to stifle people's speech in order to make this catch on culturally. If you have to violate people's rights in prison, for example, to make sure that your political ideology is codified into law or codified into our culture. If you're stifling people's speech and violating women's bodies, then you're doing something wrong and you know you're doing something wrong. 
Again, I said this before, but this is not just destruction of reality rhetorically. This is a victim-based crime that's happening. And unfortunately, we're seeing that happen in the California state prison system. We should all, by the way, ask our elected representatives, not just at the state level, but at the federal level, what they think of this, whether they stand for this, whether they will reject the transgender ideology because it is dangerous, physically dangerous to women's bodies. The director of the NIH, Francis Collins, it seems, by the way, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but it seems that Dr. Fauci is on television just a little bit less right now, and they're trying to put Francis Collins, the doctor who is the head of the NIH, on TV instead. So maybe they realize that Fauci's become toxic, not because they disagree, not because the left disagrees with what Fauci's saying, but because the American people recognize that Fauci is corrupt. Regardless, just something I noticed. But Francis Collins has been on TV, and he said over the weekend that he favors more vaccine mandates, particularly from private businesses. Take a listen to this. You say it's past time for people to get vaccinated. Is it time for more vaccine mandates? Well, that's a obviously hot topic for me as a non-political person, as a physician, as a scientist. The compelling case uh, for vaccines for everybody is um, right there in front of you. Just look at the data. Uh, and certainly I celebrate when I see businesses deciding that they're going to mandate that for their employees. And as a person who runs uh, the National Institutes of Health with 45,000 uh, employees and contractors, I am glad to see the president insisting that we go forward requiring uh, vaccinations or if people are unwilling to do that, then regular testing at least once or twice a week, which will be very inconvenient. Yeah, I think we ought to use every public health tool we can when people are dying, death rates are starting up again. And you just went through the numbers about how many new cases we are seeing. We are on a very steep upswift of that curve. And we ought to be thinking of every possible intervention. So I reject this idea that there can be any such thing as a non-political person. You, he, I mean, he called himself a non-political person, yet he heads an agency of the federal government. By nature of working for the government, you are a political person. By nature of engaging in everyday life, you are engaging in politics, therefore you are a political person. And if you tell me that you're not a political person, it makes me believe it makes me believe that you're actually trying to push your politics on me, but prevent me from being able to debate you on the policy because you can just say, "Well, I'm not political. This isn't about politics." It absolutely is about politics. Vaccine mandates are absolutely about politics. I said this last week and I will repeat it. The vaccine mandates coming from private industry are a slimy, smarmy way that the radical left is trying to enact vaccine mandates while keeping their hands clean, while politicians keeping their hands off of this. But make no mistake, these private entities that are enforcing these vaccine mandates against their employees, they're being pushed to do so by politicians and by public health officials. Absolutely 100%. The other thing Francis Collins said that I think, or that stuck out to me at least, is he said that we should be using every public health tool available. That's a very telling thing, and that tells us, we the people, what we can do to stop people like Francis Collins. We can make sure that any public health tool that we don't want them to utilize is not in their power to utilize. So if we don't want mask mandates, then we have to make sure that public health officials don't have the power to enact mask mandates. If we don't want private industry to have the power to enact vaccine mandates, then we have to prohibit vaccine mandates from employers or make vaccine status a protected employment class for employees. Because this is, this is the fundamental of what it means to be a government official. They will 
abuse their power if they have the power to do so. It's just a matter of when. It's not a matter of if. Francis Collins admitted that. He wants to use every public health tool available. So if they have it, they will use it. They will abuse it. It's not a matter of if. It's just a matter of when. This, of course, is the behavior of dictators, as podcaster Joe Rogan so aptly pointed out. Um, I'm not even going to introduce this clip. I'm just going to have you listen to it yourself. This is Joe Rogan going ballistic on government officials over the idea of vaccine mandates. Take a listen. You can't do what you want to do unless you do what I want you to do. I mean, Don Lemon was talking about that openly on CNN. Yeah. Don't have a vaccine? Can't go to the supermarket. Don't have a vaccine? Can't go to work. Like, It's so strange that people want to say things like that. Like, that's the thing that blows me away. Why do you, why do people want to? Because uh, they're dumb. They're dumb. They're right. dumb. They don't understand history. They don't understand <laughs> right. human beings. They don't understand yeah. human nature. They don't understand the history of every single country that's ever existed mm-hmm. other than the United States. Up until 1776, every country that has ever existed was run by dictators. Right. All of them. This is the first one where you had elected officials. This is the first experiment in self-government that actually worked, and it created the greatest superpower the world's ever known. It created the greatest cultural machine, the greatest machine of art and creativity and innovation right here. And how did it do that? It did it through freedom. Because when you give people freedom, you let people do whatever the f*** they want to do, they actually find ways to succeed and grow and thrive. But as soon as you put the boots to them, as soon as you tell them, you have to do this or you can't do that. You have to listen to me. Now you have a mini dictator. You have one step away from a king. You have one step closer. You're moving one step closer to dictatorship. That's what the f*** is happening. That's what's going to happen with a vaccine passport. That's what's going to happen if... They close borders. You can't enter New York City unless you have your papers. You can't go to here unless you have that. You can't get on a plane unless you do what I say. And people say, whoa, it's all about protecting people from the." Mm. No, it's not. It's not because we've shown this is a fact. Just a couple of months ago, the idea of a breakthrough case was unheard of. Nobody heard of anybody catching COVID that had a vaccine, right? Right. That was the whole idea. You get a vaccine, you don't have to worry about it. Now we know not only do you get it, but you can spread it. And some people have died. Apparently, it's a small number. I don't know what the numbers are, but I know that most people who get vaccinated, when they do have the disease, they have a better time of it than Mm -hmm. the people who are unvaccinated. But where are the people out there calling for people to get healthy? Where are the people out there calling for people to lose weight? So the reason I showed you that is because it's just a delight to watch, first of all. But the the second reason is because this is not just a conservative position. To be opposed to vaccine mandates is not just something conservatives are embracing because I would not describe Joe Rogan as a conservative by any means. He's actually very liberal. I think he supported Bernie Sanders um, during, during the election or during the primary, at least. He's certainly not a conservative. He might have some libertarian leanings. I don't know how he himself identifies, but he's not conservative. So the point is, this is not just conservatives. We should make sure that when we're presenting our position against vaccine mandates, that we recognize that this is a position that almost everybody can and should embrace, not just people who embrace the idea of limited government in other areas or politically. This is an every American type of um, situation. If you're if you're independent-minded like Joe Rogan, you can and should be against it. And that's the problem, right? 
government mandates requiring that all government employees be vaccinated. We're seeing this across the board. We're seeing this at the federal level. The DOD is now requiring that all active duty service members in the United States military be vaccinated, I think, by September 15th. When you see these government mandates requiring that all government employees, whether it's the federal level, local level, military, be vaccinated, what's going to happen is it's going to remove conservatives and Christians Yes, because those people are going to quit. But it's also going to remove scientific-minded people and independent-minded people from working for the government. So the result of this is going to be a government workforce from law enforcement at the local levels to administrative state staff at the federal level to a military composed entirely of sheep, squishes, and leftists. Now, this is not hypothetical. This is already happening. This is already happening. In San Francisco... The sheriff's deputies union warned that they are going to have a mass, uh, um, basically a mass number of their of their members are going to quit over the vaccine mandates in the city of San Francisco. The deputy sheriff's union says about 160 out of 700 total deputy sheriffs are not vaccinated. And when facing this vax mandate, this is what they tweeted. This was from the San Francisco Deputy Sheriff's Association. They said, while the mayor, London Breed, a far leftist, by the way, focuses on forcing law enforcement to be vaccinated, which will result in law enforcement officers and firefighters retiring early and seeking employment elsewhere. Public safety in San Francisco has turned into the Wild West and will get worse when officers quit due to the vaccine mandate. Instead of the mandate, the mayor should let them test weekly and get back to the focus of guns gone wild in San Francisco. Murders have increased, end quote. But of course, these far leftist mayors are more interested in using government to force people to comply with their ideology and purge conservatives, science-minded, and independent-minded people from positions in the government than they are about discharging their duty as a public official and keeping their city safe. It's not just San Francisco. This is not an isolated incident. In Los Angeles, the superior court system in Los Angeles, now this is the nation's largest trial court system, is forcing all employees to get the COVID-19 vaccine. Now, when I say the largest trial court system in the United States, this is 4,600 total employees. The only people excluded from this mandate are elected judges because they're elected judges, so they are not forced to comply here. Although I think they're encouraged to uh, disclose their vaccine status. I certainly hope they won't do that. But think about this for a second. If every single employee of the Los Angeles Superior Court System is forced to get a vaccine, that includes all of the staff of these judges. Every single person employed in this system will be forced to get a vaccine. So what's going to happen? Even if you have a constitutionally minded judge, a conservative judge, their staff is going to be purged of all conservatives, all Christians, all science-minded and independent-minded people who object to the COVID-19 vaccine or who object to the government trying to force them to get a vaccine against their will. So again, what's going to happen? Even in our criminal justice system, it's going to be entirely composed of radical leftists. I can't overstate how serious of an issue this is. We already have a federal government where 95% of political donations in 2016 from federal government employees went to Hillary Clinton and not Donald Trump. We know the administrative state is staffed with swamp creatures. We know Washington, D.C. is like 95% liberal or some outrageous number. But what if it's higher than that? What if even on the local level, the state level, anywhere that your tax money is paying the paycheck of these government employees, they're all liberal because conservatives and Christians and science-minded and independent-minded people have left due to the government trying to force them 
to get an experimental vaccine that's not even approved by the FDA. How terrifying is that to think about? In Los Angeles, medical and religious exemptions, there's not even set standards for them. They're going to be evaluated on a case-by-case basis. So what about jurors? How does this impact the jury? We don't know. We don't know. Fortunately, fortunately, amidst all of this scary news, which we need to be fighting back against, we do have um, some good news, some wins here and there. In Loyola, Chicago, at the University of Loyola, Chicago, there were 11 students who filed a lawsuit because the school was trying to mandate that all students on campus be vaccinated or else they would be kicked off of campus. 11 students sued because um, they because of the fetal tissue, the aborted, the body parts of aborted babies that were used in the production and testing of these vaccines, that violated their religious belief. By the way, Christians and Catholics, all of us should be filing this kind of lawsuit. Every time the tissue of aborted babies is used, we shouldn't turn turn the other way. We shouldn't try to justify it in our minds and say, well, it's far removed. The moral, you know, the moral atrocity of the abortion is so far removed, either geographically because it happened in the Netherlands or years past because it happened in the 1970s or the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops says it's okay or the Vatican says that, you know, you're just loving your neighbor and the good outweighs the bad. Bullshit. This is what we should be doing, what these students did. The lawyers for these students said, and I quote, Loyola denied each of these students' religious exemption requests with curt and ambiguous denials, even though their statements were more than sufficient under applicable law and under Loyola's non-discrimination policy, end quote. So what happened is these students won the lawsuit. Why did they win the lawsuit? They won the lawsuit because the state of Illinois has a Healthcare Right of Conscience Act. Remember that phrase, Healthcare Right of Conscience Act. Now, the Healthcare Right of Conscience Act provides protection to people in the state against discrimination based on the choices they make with their own health care. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. So if your state does not have employment protections for you based on what medical decisions you decide to make or not make, based on your own judgment, your own religious beliefs, your own consultation with your health care providers, this is what you should be focused on at the state legislature level, making sure that your state has a Healthcare Right of Conscience Act because it it helped these students. It helped win the lawsuit for these students. Their rights were protected because the legislature in the state of Illinois did in, in Illinois did their job. Now, of course, we know that the justification for all of this overreach is the Delta variant, right? Right as COVID was finally dying out, um, our public health officials started scaremongering again by saying this Delta variant, the Delta variant, it's worse, it's more transmissible, it's coming in the next wave. But that's not going to be the end of it. No, no. That's actually already not the end of it. Now they're telling us the Lambda variant. That's coming next. Well, to which I respond, of course, yes, it'll, that'll come next. And then it's going to be another one after that, probably another one after that, on and on, until, until Democrats solidify universal mail-in voting, no signature verification, round-the-clock drop boxes, no voter ID, same-day voter registration, and everything they needed to secure the 20 and everything they will need to secure the 2022 election that they needed to secure the 2020 election. This is all about elections. And so you'll see these new variants popping up one after the other because the Democrats need them. They need them in order to scare the people into turning over their freedoms or at least scare people into not fighting back when their freedoms are violated. So last week, you might remember, I talked a little bit about the infrastructure bill. I am not in favor of this infrastructure bill because it's too much money. I don't trust politicians. It's full of secret, terrible leftist ideology. 
And I said last week, watch out for who supports this and watch out for which Republicans are going to vote in favor of this. And today I'm going to call specifically, call out specifically Republican Senator Bill Cassidy. Bill Cassidy, disappointingly, is propagating all the Democrat talking points about the infrastructure bill. Senator, what is wrong with you? You know that these things are not true. This is what Senator Cassidy tweeted. He tweeted, politics is not a game and we need to stop playing games with rebuilding our country's infrastructure. The Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act is a historic investment in our nation's infrastructure, but there's a lot of misinformation out there. Let's clear it up, he said. First, this is a hard infrastructure bill. Let's just stop there for a second. A hard infrastructure bill? This is a $1 trillion bill that has critical race theory in it, that has a mileage tax in it, that has other leftist ideology codified into the text of the bill, which you would know, sir, if you had read it. Second, he tweeted, this bill is fully paid for. Wrong. It is not fully paid for. It is, that claim is based on shady accounting. It's accounting tricks, right? So this is a $1 trillion bill. There's $550 billion in new spending. How could that possibly be fully paid for? Well, the Democrats are claiming because the bill will extend Medicare provider payment cuts by a year, they're going to count this as saving $9 billion. But the problem is, when these cuts happen, these Medicare provider cuts happen, hospitals are going to whine about it, right? They're going to come to Congress and say, please override this so that our providers get paid. And what's Congress going to do? Congress is going to override it. It's not going to save $9 billion. And Bill Cassidy knows this. That's just one example. That's just one example. Another example is a claim of $53 billion in savings. This is because unemployment benefits are being rolled back. Well, that's not exactly the right story here. So 26 states that are run by Republicans cut the $300 federal unemployment benefits early before they were required to. That adds up to $53 billion. So this so-called savings actually comes from Republicans being responsible in their own state. It's not actual savings. So you can see what I mean when I say this is shady accounting. Third, Bill Cassidy tweeted, critical race theory is not in this bill, never has been. Equity is not a catchphrase for CRT, end quote. Oh, I beg to differ, Senator. I beg to differ. And since obviously you and your staff neglected to read this bill, let me show you exactly where in this bill critical race theory is enacted. Now, remember what I always say. There's a difference between teaching critical race theory, saying critical race theory is X, Y, Z naming your module, naming your chapter after critical race theory. There's a difference between that and applying the tenets of critical race theory to whatever topic you're talking about. This infrastructure bill does the latter. It applies critical race theory to this infrastructure bill. This photo on the screen, those of you who are watching can see it, those of you who are listening, this is what it says. In the bill itself, it says, race and gender neutral efforts alone are insufficient to address the problem. Oh, well, we can't just have race-neutral efforts or gender-neutral efforts. It has to pick and choose winners and losers based on the immutable characteristics of race and gender then. Oh, well, that right there is critical race theory. That's critical race theory. It's also critical gender theory, and there's proof of the critical gender theory. You can see in this next photograph. It's not just going to allow women to get whatever job they want, which of course women have a right to do. There's actually a provision to encourage women to enter the field of trucking. Now, why would, they, why would you want to do that? 
women can if they want to, they're free to. But the reason this bill is actively putting funding towards encouraging women, women to be truckers is because they want equity. They don't want women simply to have equal opportunity. They want women to have equal outcome. This is garbage Marxist nonsense. Nonsense. So this third photo shows provisions in this bill for digital equity and digital inclusion. So Senator Cassidy, equity actually is a phrase inherent to critical race theory. And you know this if you ask the question, what is equity? What is equity? Equity differs from equality because equality means everyone is equal under the law. Everyone is treated equal. Everyone has a right to equal opportunity. Equity means that everyone is going to have an equal outcome. And in order to impose equal outcome on people, you must discriminate against people who otherwise would have won if their immutable characteristic does not fit in the critical race theory strategy. So what I mean is discrimination against white people or discrimination against men. That's the only way to enact equity. So yes, equity is a buzzword. Equity is a litmus test. Equity is a problem when it's included in this infrastructure bill. Why is this nonsense included if this bill is just hard infrastructure? Finally, Senator Cassidy tweets, fourth, there is no mileage tax in this bill. Senator, I know I've said multiple times that you haven't read this bill, but don't you even have a staffer who can do a control F and find this in the bill for you? It's section 13002. Section 13002 in this legislation is titled a National Motor Vehicle Per Mile User Fee Pilot. So what is this? You're trying to deny that this is a mileage tax because it's a test program? This is how this gets codified into law. It's a pilot program, yes, that punishes larger vehicles. It actually identifies trucks and different sizes of trucks specifically. And the intention is very obvious for those of us who have common sense. The intention is to ban gas-powered vehicles. So my question, with all due respect, sir, all of these claims that you're making about the infrastructure bill, are you stupid? Do you not know the truth? Or are you deliberately covering it up because for some reason you want this bill to pass? Now, I, it doesn't matter if I live in, in this senator's district. It doesn't matter if you live in this senator's state. Write to him. Tell him that he's lying about this bill and ask him why. Uh, clearly, I am not a fan of this infrastructure bill, but none of us should be. Congress shouldn't spend a dime more of our money before they take care of waste, fraud, and abuse that is rampant at the federal level. Senator Bill Cassidy, my question to you, sir, is why are you being a squish? So speaking of people who are not squishes, bullying works as you might know. Um, I called out Spencer Clavin publicly on this show um, because I wanted him to make a workout for me. And because I did so publicly, it worked. He made a workout for me and we videotaped it in case you guys wanted to watch it. Uh, take a look at this. All right. Hey guys, welcome to the long anticipated, much awaited Liz Wheeler, Spencer Clavin crossover, during which time I teach Liz what her workout plan is going to be. Liz, you called me out on this on your show, so now I felt like I actually had to do it. Are you, you ready? You made me feel very powerful because it was very influential. You had to do it because I called you out publicly. Some have said that you are an influencer, Liz. There are those who- And some called me a bully for doing it. So potato, potato, right? <laughs> I feel bullied, but I'm very pro-bullying as, as <laughs> It looks like we're already carbo-loading for this experience. Oh yeah, carbo-loading. You said this was going to be a hard workout, so I need mean <laughs> It's going to be real tough. The rest of it is on Locals. You can find it at youngheretics.com slash locals or lizwheelershow.com slash locals. Um, 
it's pretty fun. It's pretty funny. And I think there are some some special things that you can get, some special benefits you can get if you join both my locals community and Spencer's locals community. That's LizWheelerShow.com slash locals. And on that note, the great and powerful Jay Hay says we are out of time for today. We'll be back tomorrow. In the meantime, think for yourself, use critical thought, reject critical theory, question authority, follow the facts, and don't let government or corporate wokeism or anybody bully you into being a sheep. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating over there. Write a review. If you do write a review, send it to me on Locals. I like to read them all. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Assistant editor, Michael Wall. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Post-production manager, Victoria Metzel. Director of marketing, Emily Washler. Production and talent coordinator, Matt Toffler. Senior publicist, Patricia Jackson. And production assistant, Mickey Pisani. This has been a Soundfront production.